zombie dragon, the fastest pirate vessel in the galaxy. We're just dropping out of light speed, settling into low earth orbit, reaching the periapsis of orbit where the transmission is most clear. Here in the transmission room of the dragon is your captain, Richard Boomzilla Pippin. I'm glad to be back. It's been a long time, guys. I've uh, been gone probably over a year, but I've decided to come back and visit you Earthlings <laughs> and, uh, you know, I'll give you all a little visit. It's, uh, well, what have I been doing? You might ask. Well, I'll answer. I was doing a little time, you know, for something I didn't do. First off, I didn't do it in some solar system you never heard of. They got all these rules, you know. <laughs> but uh, other than that, I've also been working on my skills, my mad podcast skills, working on my diction. Because if there's one thing everybody loves, it's good diction. I've also, <laughs> that's a terrible joke. I've also been thinking about what I hope to do with the show, bringing it back. And there was a few things. Um, really, one of the main reasons I stopped, I kind of got burned out. I was doing everything Myself, uh, I've got a little help now. I'm hoping to have some guest or guest hosts on, and and maybe if some of them uh, work out and uh, you know uh, show up a few times and we have a good chemistry, whatever, maybe they'll become permanent hosts or re recurring guest hosts on the show. But uh, couldn't work that out quite for this first episode. Just a lot of things got in the way. I'm not even gonna go into it. I uh, also am starting a, well, have started a YouTube channel. It's also called Orbital Zombie Dragon. And I have already have a playlist on there. I'm going to put the audio from the podcast there also. It's just going to have the logo, no, no video. But I'm also going to have some actual videos of me in the studio doing Boomzilla book reviews. Uh, I actually have up already on that YouTube channel the first video uh, for February. And kind of the format I'm going to do is... Uh, on on the beginning of the month, I'm going to select three books, hopefully a sci-fi, a horror, and a fantasy. And we're going to uh, do a, like, a, like a book haul video, which is that first video that's up right now. It's going to show you what books I'm reading for February. And then later in the month, as I read them, I'll release videos actually reviewing those books. But uh, you can go check that out on YouTube, Orbital Zombie Dragon on YouTube. You can see what I look like. <laughs> I, I tell you, the video is not perfect. It's my first video. There was uh, some issues with editing, but I think I got it. It's a decent first video. I'll say that. Go check it out and subscribe. And uh, they'll get better as I get better at the whole video process. That's kind of new to me. So 
Anyway, go check out those books for February. Read along if you want to, or if you're not a big reader, go get the audio books or whatever, and then you can uh, compare notes with me, you know, later in the month when I do the uh, actual review. But for the show today, I got a bunch of stuff for you today. Um, we're going to talk about, I'm going to try and do, just like with the book reviews, I'm going to try and do recent stuff. With the book reviews, I did all books that were released late in January that I'm reading for February. And I'm going to try to do the same thing with the podcast. I'm doing stuff that's currently at the theaters or just recently got released, say, on Netflix or Amazon or whatever. Something, you know, kind of current. Uh, I think I'm, that's what I'm going to try and make my niche. I'm not going to say I never go back and do something old or talk about anything old, especially in October when I do Horror Month. I like to talk about some of the older horror movies that I really love that you should go see. But uh, for today, I have uh, The Maze Run of the Death Cure which I think is still at the theaters. I wanted to do this podcast about a week ago, but again, stuff got in the way. But it's still at the theaters. It's a popular movie. You'll be able to go see it. Anyway, uh, that's in the sci-fi section. In the horror section, I'm going to talk about The Babysitter on Netflix. And the uh, fantasy section, I'm going to also talk about uh, another Netflix original movie called Bright, which I'm sure you've heard of by now. (laughs) Or at least seen it. Pop up on your screen as a suggestion. So, jumping right into it, sci-fi, Maze Runner, The Death Cure. <laughs> well, you, uh, as you probably know, the Maze Runner series is a, is a trilogy and uh, based on some young adult novels. And you guys know, if you listen to the previous incarnation of the show, you know how I feel about young adult fiction. I don't like it. Not, uh, I can't get into it most of the time. But I can tolerate some of the movies. I'll say that. Like, some of the movies are decent. (laughs) But it's a big risk for me going to see something based on young adult fiction because I I don't like it. I don't like it in a box with a fox. Uh, I don't like it, Sam. I am. I just don't like it. (laughs) But I'm willing to make these sacrifices for you. That's how good of a pirate captain I am. The captain makes sacrifices for his crew. So I went to see this movie. Not only did I go see this movie, I actually had never seen the first two movies. I like bought the first two movies and binge watched them before I went to see this at the theater, just so I could kind of be up on what the whole Maze Runner thing is about. And I can tell you the first movie, yeah, uh, I didn't like it. It was okay. It was okay. The second movie was a lot better. But the first movie, it was just like, uh, what what kind of Kmart Lord of the Flies is this? <laughs> it, it got better as it got along, but it was, I don't know, it was like a sausage fest Lord of the Flies. I don't know. I, I, second one was much better. And now here I am to talk about the third one. It was released on January 26th this year, starring the usual suspects. If you're familiar with the Maze Runner show, it's got them all in there. It's got Dylan O'Brien as uh, Thomas, of course. And you might know him from some other stuff. He was uh, in that Teen Wolf uh, MTV series. He was Styles. I don't know if you remember Styles uh, from the original Teen Wolf movie. But he was a cool character. I don't know what he's like in the Teen Wolf MTV thing. Never got into it. You got Ki Hong Lee as Minho. Uh, he was in a horror movie called Wish Upon, uh, which is pretty good if you want to go see it. You got Tody, oh God, I'm going to screw up this name. Thomas Brody Sangster as Newt. Uh, <laughs> did I say Tody? Thomas Brody Sangster as Newt. 
you probably will recognize his face for sure as Jojen Reed from uh, Game of Thrones. You got Kaya, I'm going to really mess this name up, guys. Kaya Scodelario. Like I said, I'm working on my diction. Diction. Kaya Scodelario. Scalario? I don't know. But she plays Teresa. Booty alert here. She's looking really fine in the third movie. Just the right amount of bounce. <laughs> I actually got kind of annoyed with her character, but I'll get into this. She was also in Pirates of the Caribbean, Dead Men Tell No Tales, which I plan on watching at some point. I haven't watched it yet. I haven't kept up with that whole Pirates of the Caribbean series. So, bah, whatever. You also have Rosa Salazar as Brenda. I've never really seen her in anything before, but I'm really excited about a movie she's doing voice work for that's coming out soon. Uh, she does the voice of Alita in Alita Battle Angel, which of course is based on the anime Battle Angel Alita. If you're into anime, you probably know that. You also have Giancarlo Esposito as Jorge. Uh, I, I love uh, this actor, especially because I think I first saw him in Breaking Bad as as Gustavo Fring, that like psychotic, uh, <laughs> that psychotic uh, gang leader or whatever that that he got involved with. I think it was kind of funny that he uses in this movie, in uh, The Death Cure, he uses the word, in, in the, the second movie that he was in also, he used the word hermanos a lot. You know, brothers. Spanish, of course, for you non-Spanish speakers. He said, hermanos. You know, hermano. Don't do that, hermano. And, of course, in Breaking Bad, he uh, his cover was like a, a chicken place that him and his brother opened a long time ago, uh, the the, the Chicken Brothers, Hermanos Pulos, or something like that. <laughs> so I just thought it was funny seeing him. Uh, he plays, well, I guess in the beginning he's kind of a bad guy, but he turns into a nice guy as the series goes, series goes on. So <laughs> it's kind of cool seeing him playing the good guy, I guess you could say. But anyway, and of course, there's also the return of another actor in this third movie and character that you haven't seen since the first film. I'm not going to spoil it for you. It was a really cool scene when this actor and this character returns because I really liked uh, that character. Anyway, this movie, The Death Cure, I'll say this. It had a really awesome, action-packed, great opening scene. It, it really sets up the story for this final installment. It's kind of like an Old West train robbery. I think, In fact, I think I read somewhere that the uh, creator of the show was trying to recreate that feeling of the Old West train robbery. You know, you had to ride up along the train, get on it, stop it somehow, get the stuff off, get out before people respond. Anyway, this this train robbery is not so much a robbery as it is a rescue. Thomas is trying to fulfill his vow to rescue Minho. He's not going to let his buddy Minho get shipped off to be farmed by Wicket there for whatever the, the juice, the magic juice that they're after from their brains. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, it was a really daring, like well-coordinated rescue scene. A lot of stuff going on in it. And uh, you spend like that first, well, I don't know how long it is, like that first up to 10 minutes, I think, of that that action sequence going, oh, are they going to do it? You know, it's really tight. It's really tense. It's really cool. Uh, and they end up being successful in rescuing a bunch of the kids. But no Minho. Minho's not. They grabbed the wrong train car. He's in the one next to it. They thought they heard his voice, but they grabbed the wrong one. And this, of course, sets up the story leading to Thomas embarking on the, on the most dangerous mission he's going on in the whole series. He's going to go straight into the belly of the beast, the wicked beast, <laughs> right into their home base, their hometown, where they're continuing these experiments on the children 
along with Minho, but he is determined he's going to get Minho out. So, uh, overall review, I like this movie. It was a really fun adventure ride. Still had a lot of character development, which you don't see in some of the, you know, the things are full of action. You don't see any character development, but this one did. Uh, these characters have really grown a lot since uh, the series started, and they've developed these really complicated and deep relationships with one another. I find that with movies like post-apocalyptic movies like this or disaster movies, if you don't make it about the characters and their relationships with each other, it gets boring. The disaster or the apocalypse or whatever should be kind of the backdrop. Maybe the reason for you know some of the actions they're taking, but not the whole story. So that's a good story writing tip there for you. Uh, without, like I said, without these, you know, interactions, these deep relationships, it had just been another action flick, all action, no story. I uh, also like the theme of this series overall, and uh, it kind of reminded me of The Grapes of Wrath, and I'll tell you why. <laughs> Wicked is not good, despite what they say. They're really bad. They go against nature, okay? They're willing to sacrifice the next generation for their own survival rather than the other way around. That's kind of the way of nature, right? That's the grapes of wrath was kind of about was like the sacrifice of one generation so maybe the next generation can do a little better and so on and so forth. They're going against it. They're willing to sacrifice anything for these older people to stay alive and rich and powerful and, and in charge, you know, kind of the backwards thing. That's what makes them bad. It's, it's not a, like a... Uh, I don't know, I guess it is a good versus evil thing. But it's more of a, you're going against nature, how things should be. That's what makes you evil. So <laughs> this installment continues with the theme of the series and really shows why that kind of course can't be maintained. It's like a snake eating itself. Eventually it falls apart. And this uh, movie does a good job of showing that. I do have some criticisms of it, of course, but they're minor uh, the biggest one to me was there was a lot of deus ex, ex machina. Tons of it in the movie. There's just literally just from beginning to end, there are tons of scenes where the characters are kind of painted into a corner where you're like, how are they going to get out of it? How they, they really can't get out of it now. And then, boom, the cavalry shows up. Some kind of outside, you know, a rescuer or whatever drops in and provides the solution just out of the blue. And it really was like so many times that it starts getting really repetitive and predictable. So they, 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 they even tried to save it towards the end with uh, one of the scenes by having the cavalry show up a little bit too late. And they kind of, you know, going back and forth, here's where the trouble is. Here's the rescuers running there and you think they're going to do it like they did every other scene in the movie so far. You think they're going to make it there and then they don't. But uh, even that felt like a little bit of a letdown. It kind of felt like, I don't know, manipulative or something and uh of course deus ex machina is almost never good you need to have your heroes figure out something you know it has to be about them and how they somehow figured out they were smarter or faster or better somehow and was able to get out of it it's kind of lazy story writing to be honest <laughs> to have a lot of you can have it maybe a little bit or once say in your novel or your show or whatever but uh, if it's spread throughout like this, it gets, like I said, it's lazy. <laughs> Other than that, though, this was a really good story, good theme, good characters, and just really a lot of amazing action and, uh, you know, sets. Like some of the uh, 
the, the, the sets that you, you see through there is pretty amazing. Uh, out of the three, I actually like the second movie, The Scorch Trials, the best. But this is definitely worth a watch at the theater, especially if you're already a fan of the other two movies. So I guess that's all I got to say about The Death Cure. Go see it. It's worth it. It's a fun ride. And that's saying a lot for me because, like I said, I don't like young adult fiction. But this was uh, the movies, especially the last two, were, were good. They were definitely worth a watch. So anyway, <laughs> I'm enjoying this, you guys. It's good to be back. It's good to be talking to you guys, telling you what I think because I'm the captain and that's important, right? It's important what your captain thinks. <laughs> At least I hope it is. I don't know. Anyway, on to horror. The Babysitter. Netflix original film was, it's a little bit older. It's still pretty recent. Released in October of 2017. And it's starring, starring uh, Judah Lewis as Cole, who was in a, a horror movie called The Summer of 84, which was kind of cool. It's a, a it's a story you've seen a lot before. Some teens suspect their neighbors are a serial killer and they spy on them. And there's a lot of, you know, you've seen that type of movie before. And that one with Shia LaBeouf. What was it called? I don't remember. Shia LaBeouf movie. Go look it up. <laughs> you also had uh, Samara Weaving as B, his babysitter. If you watch Ash vs. the Evil Dead, which you should, you'll recognize her from that. She was in quite a few episodes of that. Uh... Bella Thorne is in this, but I want to point out the thumbnails on Netflix are a little misleading. They would have you believe that Bella Thorne is the babysitter. Like every picture shows her in that cheerleader outfit and you're thinking, oh, that's the hot babysitter. But no, she's just kind of a secondary character. She plays Allison, this cheerleader that shows up. Uh, of course, you probably know Bella Thorne from a lot of things. She was in that Scream TV series uh, for MTV. Uh, again, I watched a little bit of that, but I couldn't get into it. I find a lot of those MTV series <laughs> suffers from some bad writing, and I kind of can't get into it, but she was in that. You also have uh, Emily Allen, Allen Lind as Melanie, this cute little girl from down the street that kind of likes Cole. Uh, you might recognize her from a movie I talked about on the previous incarnation of the podcast called Lights Out. She was in that. And there's a whole bunch of other actors in here you might recognize from various things. I'm not going to get into all that. But anyway, the story setup of this is the story is mainly about Cole, a little kid, Cole. He's 14 years old. He's kind of the wimpy kid who gets picked on a lot. You know, he's he's just, you can see it, it. It ramps up right in the beginning. You see how he kind of gets picked on by other kids. He's got a, a bully that messes with him constantly. And, uh, but he's got this really cool babysitter. That's like his best friend. She does lots of cool stuff with him when she comes to take care of him. And really, uh, you can tell she, you know, really likes Cole, and he really likes her. And you basically get a, a bunch of snapshots in the beginning of this with Cole, his bullies, a few of his friends, his parents, who also worry a lot about Cole because he's very anxious. And, uh, of course, they worry about him being the wimpy kid <laughs> and, and getting picked on and all that stuff. But his parents are kind of, well, kind of have their own problems, too. But their relationship kind of sets up how, you know, they're aware of Cole being kind of the wimpy kid, which is important later in the movie. Um, anyway, the story setup is parents are going out of town for the weekend. They do these hotel retreats trying to kind of salvage their, their marriage or whatever. And Melanie, the girl next door, is texting with Cole at night saying, you should stay awake. 
you know, and see what see what uh, she does, see what the babysitter does after you would normally be asleep. Just go to like you're going to bed, stay awake, and then go spy on the babysitter because, as Melanie tells them, that's usually when they bring the boyfriend over and make out on the sofa. <laughs> and so he does it. And Melanie convinces him, like, I'm going to stay awake and see what goes on. And as it turns out, she's not bringing the boyfriend over to make out. It's much, much weirder and wilder than that. Turns out the babysitter has this book of spells and rituals. And tonight she's gathered some friends to work some some black magic, some dark magic that even involves some uh, some human sacrifice. <laughs> and it gets really crazy from there. That's where all the character, other characters come in. You know, you got the uh, the athlete, the, the quarterback guy. You got the, the creepy uh, Asian chick, you know, kind of like from rings or whatever. <laughs> and then and Bella, Bella Thorne, the... the cheerleader starts out looking innocent enough like a game of spin the bottle but it quickly gets really weird from there this is a horror comedy horror comedy can be hard to do right but this one definitely does it right i really love this movie i love the bully the little kid that's uh, always screwing with cole <laughs> he was great he's got a bicycle with a name on it it kind of looks like a girl's bike which is funny because he's the bully but he's named his bike cindy You'll see it painted on the side of the bike, Cindy. <laughs> I love the parents. The parents are really cool. You'll recognize uh, the actors that play the parents. The interactions with, between them and Cole was you know, really hilarious and kind of sets the stage for why Cole is the way he is. Uh, I definitely love the wild story. I even love the uh, the extras that showed up for the ritual. For some reason, I really love the super fit, you know, super ripped quarterback guy. He was just hilarious. And as you'll find out, clearly the most psychotic one out of the bunch. And that actor just played it well. Really enjoyed that character. I also love the creepy goth Asian girl and and also the way she bites it. I'm not going to spoil it for you, but she bites it in a really spectacular way. It's really cool. I laughed my balls off pretty much throughout this movie. Had a lot of great moments. And I, I really loved when he finally uh, kissed the girl next door and what she said after the kiss. Uh, I'm not going to spoil it either because it was pretty darn funny. <laughs> I really don't have any criticisms here for this uh, movie, which doesn't happen often. If you've listened to my show before, I usually have at least some criticisms, but I really can't think of any for this show. I just really love this film. If you've been thinking about it, you've been sealing the weird thumbnail with Bella Thorne. You're like, eh, I don't know. I don't like Bella Thorne. Ignore that. Watch it. Bella, even Bella Thorne's really cool in it. <laughs> I, I, you know, I, I think that that image. A lot of people saw it and maybe read the description and said, like, yeah, it makes the concept sound stupid when you got Bella Thorne in the uh, the cheerleader outfit. There is the thumbnail. But don't cheat yourself. Really go see this if you're into horror and you're into horror comedies. Uh, this one does it so well. It's 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 not really campy. It's just, it's just hilarious. You'll see what I'm talking about. <laughs> so, again, guys, uh, this is really cool. I, uh, I thought I'd be a little, uh, actually a little nervous jumping back on the mic after over a year, but I feel pretty comfortable with you guys. And after all, the captain, captain has to be confident, right? <laughs> I am. I am. This, this feels cool to be back. Um, on to fantasy. Fantasy. Got a show for you called Bright. Released in December of 2017 on Netflix. Netflix original film. Netflix is just releasing a ton of stuff. 
it's going to be hard to keep up, I think. They already have another show on there that I want to watch like 10 episodes of. I'll probably binge this weekend you know, when we're, you know, before we jump back to Lightspeed. But we'll get into that show later. Right now, I want to talk about Bright, starring Will Smith. You know who Will Smith is. He plays Daryl Ward in this, police officer. Uh, he, of course, if you want to know something genre he's been in, Independence Day, hello. You know, victory dance with the cigar and shit. So, <laughs> but anyway, you got Joel Edgerton as Nick Jacoby. Uh, you might recognize him. There was a film in 2011. It wasn't really a remake of The Thing, the John Carpenter's The Thing. I think it was like a prequel, but uh, he was in that. And of course, you got Nomi Rapach. I, I, I never know how to pronounce her last name. Rapace. I want to say Rapache. <laughs> That's what it looks like to me. Nomi Rapace, or Rapache, however you pronounce it. She plays the Inferni elf Lila. And of course, you probably know her if you want something genre from Prometheus, which I think I did talk about on the show in a previous thing. You also have Lucy Fry as Tika, another little elf in there. Uh, so she was in a 2016 film called The Darkness, not to be confused with the comic or the video games. It was a different kind of story entirely. It was kind of a horror movie. Uh, it took place. It had Kevin Bacon in it, uh, family on a trip in the Grand Canyon. It turns out there's demons involved, and I don't know. I'll get into that maybe on another show. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, Bright, of course, um, I, I had a lot of excitement about this among my friends. When it was when the trailers came out and people started talking about it, there was a lot of excitement about it among especially my old gamer buddies, my gamer friends. As you guys might know, if you listened to the show before, I was a Dungeons & Dragons kid. But it wasn't just Dungeons & Dragons. We played a lot of different RPG games, tabletop RPG games. And one of them we played was called Shadowrun. Uh, and this movie had a lot of similarities to Shadowrun. You know, it's in the present time or slightly in the future or whatever, but you still got magic to some degree. It's rare, but there's magic and there's elves and there's dwarves and there's orcs and all that stuff still in the present time or the future. It had a lot of similarities to Shadowrun in that regard. And it had kind of the, I don't know, the gritty feel to it also, the gangs the police, all that stuff, kind of elements of the Shadowrun RPG game that we used to play. Uh, it also had a lot of similarities. I'll point out to a, a really old movie called Alienation. I'm sure you're probably at least aware of that. If you haven't seen it, you should. And it also had a, a non-genre movie that I found it had a lot of similarities to called Training Day, which was also a good movie, but not a genre movie, so we're not going to talk about it here. <laughs> anyway, Setup of the story. Okay, like I said, they have elves and orcs, and I think they mentioned dwarves at one time, but I don't think you ever actually see one in it. Uh, you have magicians or wizards or whatever you want to call them, and those people are rare and they're called brights. Brights are able to use magic, and more importantly to the story, are able to use magic wands. Magic wands are kind of the, the uh, I don't know how to describe it, it's kind of like it, that's all their power resides in their wand and they use it to do their magic and in fact only a bright can even touch a wand if a normal human or a normal arc or anybody that's just not a bright touches a wand the, the sheer power of it just overloads them and they basically explode and people near them will also get blasted so you take a big risk 
<laughs> if you think you're bright and you see a wand, you try to grab it. If you're wrong, it's over for you. You're going to blow the hell up. So, <laughs> but that's the wands. And wands are really rare. And thus, they are very valuable. It's, uh, it's, you'll see in the show, just the, the value of it, the, the, the sheer rarity of it will cause people to do really uh, crazy things to get a hold of these wands because they're so rare and powerful and, of course, extremely valuable to the brights. All the factions want it. Everybody wants a wand. It's, it's, like, it's like winning the lottery. It's like uh, being able to be anything or do anything you want. It's just the ultimate thing that everybody wants. Everybody, every faction in this movie wants it. And it, it may make this seem that this is like a find the magic thing story. You know, like a lot of fantasy stories, like we got to find the magic thing to defeat the evil lord, blah, blah, blah. But it's really so much more. There is a dark lord in it that's mentioned, kind of, you know, a la Sauron. Although they don't call him Sauron, they just call him the dark lord. And there are some people like the Inferni, Nomi Rapache, Rapache, <laughs> I want to call it Rapache, uh, are trying to bring back the Dark Lord. Supposedly he was around thousands of years ago and nearly wiped out everybody. <laughs> so nobody wants this guy to come back. So, of course, that makes the wands even more uh, uh, dangerous and people want to try and control them. In fact, there's a whole, you'll see in the movie, there's a whole department, kind of like the FBI of magic, that keeps track of these things, keeps track of these wands and these different groups that use them and tries to prevent them from uh, bringing the Dark Lord back. Kind of like this fantasy world version of, of, of terrorism, I guess. And these are like our homeland security for magic, this department that you'll see. <laughs> anyway, like I said, it's not just a find the magic ring story or find the magic thing story, I should say. It's not always a ring. It's so much more. It's got a lot of great themes in it like about racism, uh, writers, as you know, it's been said a lot, writers use fiction to tell the truth. And they kind of use here fantasy racism, elves and orcs and all that, to talk about real racism and also what it's like for someone like uh, the character uh, Jacoby, the orc cop, what it's like to try to live in two worlds and not really be welcome in either of them. The orcs hate him because they feel like he's a traitor the humans don't trust him because he's an orc. And he just wants to be a cop. You know, he just wants to be a cop and live his life. And he's definitely different. He's kind of fish out of water in both worlds. The orcs don't even, you know, they don't even really consider him an orc. He's a, he's a lesser thing, you know. So he's trying to live in both worlds. Very difficult for him. He has to make some tough choices. But overall, Nick Jacoby is a good guy in this film. And he tends to... Uh, I don't know. He's just a very brave character. He does the right thing despite all these pressures on him. So I thought that was really cool. I said themes of racism, but also themes because of Nick Jacoby, uh, themes of heroism. And you guys know, if you've listened to the show at all before or heard me talk on, on YouTube or whatever, I'm obsessed with heroism. <laughs> and especially this kind of heroism that's portrayed in this movie it's kind of how even every everyday ordinary people can be heroes. Now, they may not even feel like they're being heroes at the time. Maybe you just feel like you're having a bad day, a month, or even a year. But how you respond to it can make you a hero. Nick Jacoby even says something to that effect in the one of the car ride scenes. I, I guess I won't spoil that one for you because it was a really 
cool uh, big moment in the movie, I guess you can say, where he talks about an old orc hero and how it doesn't always feel like you're in a prophecy or that you're being particularly heroic, but you can be. It's how you respond to the bad things that makes you a hero. And I really like that theme in this movie. It really uh, made it definitely worth the watch. Really awesome, uh, like epiphany type scenes. <laughs> I don't want to go too much more into that because I don't want to spoil anything for you. It was great. Go watch this film. Uh, criticisms for this film. Uh, I really don't have too much to say. This is a great film. Everybody in this film did a great job on it. Uh, there was only a tiny few scenes where Will Smith was basically Will Smith. And you'll you'll know it when you see it. I don't have to tell you about the scenes. There's some scenes where Will Smith is just Will Smith. You know, what you going to do with that? You know, it's, uh, I don't know. You know, you've seen Will Smith in a lot of, of my movies. And I think maybe maybe that's that might be an unfair criticism. He's a great actor and does some really awesome work here. Okay. There's some really awesome work. I want to point that out first. And I think when you're that big of an actor and you've done that huge a library of the films, uh, you know, there's only so much you can do. At some point, people kind of recognize you and recognize how you do certain things. And it's just because you just, you've been around. I mean, Will Smith's been around a long time. I mean, I was with Will all the way back to the Fresh Prince days. So even if you're not a fan of Will Smith, watch, <laughs> watch this movie. He's really awesome in it. And uh, so is the guy that plays uh, Nick Jacoby. Really awesome people. Even Nomi Rapace, man. They put her in that elf getup. And first off, Nomi Rapace is sexy as hell. Okay? Another booty alert here. She's sexy as hell. And they made her look kind of weird with the weird eyes and kind of dark looking. I like that. So, <laughs> but that was, like I said, the only, that's the only kind of even mildly negative thing I have to say is there's some, like a couple scenes where Will Smith is Will Smith. And not necessarily the character, but uh, I can overlook that for this uh, great uh, level of quality in a film. I can definitely overlook a couple little scenes like that. Said so overall review, great film. If you haven't seen it, you really should. Go watch it right now, in fact. Netflix has done some amazing work recently and a lot of good stuff. I can't wait to see what else they have in store for us. In particular, I'm probably going to be watching that uh, Altered Carbon movie that's based on the Takeshi Kovacs novels. Got Joel Kinnaman in it. Uh, might be talking about that on a future episode of this podcast. So <laughs> be on the lookout for that. I like the Takeshi Kovacs series of books. So I'm really curious to see what they did with it in a, a you know, film form. I think that's like a, a binge series though, like 10 episodes. So it might be a little while before I review that one. <laughs> I've got a lot of stuff to watch and read guys. Speaking of reading, I want to talk about Boomzilla book review again. Um, first video, like I said, is up. It's about the books I've chosen for February. You can go check out that video again, see what I look like. Uh, all I can say is when I saw myself on film, I was like, I really need to go back to the gym. <laughs> I've been slacking. I need to go back to the gym. Yeah, you know, but like I say, it's a first video. I'm going to get ripped for the next one. <laughs> if I can rip that fast, I'm, like, I'm the sci-fi ripped guy. Rah. But anyway, I guess I'm getting off subject. I'm ADD, guys. You're going to get used to this. Okay. The books I chose for February, if you want to check out the video, was Elysium Fire by Alistair Reynolds. 
The King of Bones and Ashes by J.D. Horn, and Cast and Deception by Michelle Sagara. Go check it on YouTube. I give a little description of each. Not really a review because I hadn't read them yet, but just kind of a description of what they're about. So you can kind of get an idea if maybe you're interested in reading along with me. <laughs> anyway, like I said, it's great to be back, guys. Um, it's been a long time. Hope you enjoy this episode. I'm going to try and do it regular every Sunday like I was before. Uh, hopefully I'll be able to keep up that pace again, especially with the book reviews and my writing. That's right, I'm still writing. I'm working on actually three writing projects right now. And I think I finally picked one that I'm going to try and finish first. And I'll have some updates on that probably on a, a future episode. I think we've gone on long enough today. <laughs> but again, I've had fun today, guys. It's been really great uh, being back and talking to you guys from Low Earth Orbit here. Uh, go check out the website, orbitalzombiedragon.com. You can listen to the, the show there. You can find out a little bit about me and the show. Uh, I, I got some older episodes that I'm probably going to take down. This is this is going to be our total relaunch, rebirth of the show. This is going to be episode one of the new and improved OZD. So like them older shows, like episodes you know, one, you know, know, 9 through 39 through 42 or whatever that's up, I'll probably take those down as soon as this is posted or maybe a little while after it's posted, just in case people want to check out some older stuff for a little while. But anyway, that's orbitalzombiedragon.com. You can, of course, subscribe and listen to all your usual uh, podcast apps to listen to this show. You can check out our Facebook page, Orbital Zombie Dragon, and also the YouTube channel, Orbital Zombie Dragon. I'm going to have some other videos coming up soon, hopefully. I said, listen, all, listen to us in all the usual places. But for now, I guess it's time to sign off. Uh, we're kind of getting out of the periapsis of uh, low Earth orbit. It's almost time for us to uh, you know, drop out of orbit, back into light speed, and get out of here, go on another galactic adventure for a week. But I'll be back next week to talk uh, with you guys some more. Hope you guys enjoyed the episode. See you next week. Dragana, take us out of here. <laughs>